I'm good. I'm good. Thank you. Well, good morning, everyone. Well, it's really a blessing to be back here again, worshiping with you and, and be given this privilege to share God's Word uh, to you. And uh, I'm, I'm glad to see the kids doing that presentation, trying to juxtapose, you know, the Nativity story with the Justice League. <laughs> and it's good that they came up with the conclusion that there is a someone greater than them, right? <laughs> we should tell that to the Hollywood people that there is one, the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings, isn't it? Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for this wonderful morning that you've given us, especially this very special season of the year where we can celebrate and look up to you, Lord, the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ. And God, I pray that you will just touch our hearts as we reflect on your word. May that word be implanted in our lives, in our hearts, and help it to grow and germinate and bear fruit. And thank you, Lord, that you're here in our midst. And may you minister to us now in Jesus' name. Amen. I'd like to start off by sharing with you this story uh, that I thought would be a good, you know, good way to start the ball rolling here. It's a story about the devil. Whoa, don't be scared, okay? Don't be scared. It's not, it's not a true story, but somehow that the, 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 the crux of this story will uh, lead into what our, our focus today. Um, you know, this, this, this story, uh, the, the, according to this story, the devil decided that he was going to have a, a, a garage sale. <laughs> you know that, right? <laughs> and so he advertised this big event. And on the day itself, you know, he took all of his stuff from the garage and put out on the, everything on the tables and had each of them marked with a price. So it was there lying on, the tab- uh, on, on top of the tables in front of his garage. And all the normal tools, which included... This one, like, does it work? All right, okay. Those are the tools that he's trying to sell. You know, it includes pride, anger, lust, envy, jealousy, deceit, and so forth and so on. And we're on this table. Now, over there, on this side, you know, on another table, there was, there, there was this worn out, you know, very ordinary looking tool. And so people would walk by and check everything out and would say, oh, that's really kind of expensive. You know, that's kind of a high price for that. And when they would come uh, to this very ordinary-looking, worn-out tool, and they'd go, wow, that's pretty expensive, don't you think? You know, it's so worn out. And the devil would say, what is that anyway? And the devil would say, oh, that's uh, discouragement. Okay, maybe I'll, I would need a little help here if it doesn't work here. Okay, so discouragement. Now, why does it cost so much, they ask. And then the devil would, you know, kind of lean back and say, well, all those other tools here are really good and have worked for centuries, but this one, you know, is much better than all those tools put together. Because I can use this one and I can get right into the heart of man or a woman and they don't even know it's me. You know, I can get them to hurt, to quit, or to give up. And they never even recognize who's behind it. Right? Discouragement. 
And so today, I want to talk to you about discouragement. No, 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 we're not, I'm not going to talk about this. discouragement. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> I told Sister Leah, no, it's the flip side of it, okay? Today, we're going to talk about the, the positive, the opposite of that, and that is hope, okay? Hope. After all, Christmas is the season of love, joy, peace, and hope. But ironically, I find it curious that this is also a season that for millions of people all over the world is also a time of the deepest, what I would say, the deepest melancholy, you know, year-round. Even my own professor from the Bible school, you know, admits that the most depressing season of the year for him is Christmas. You know, suicide rates actually peak at this time of the year, according to some statistics. And perhaps at this time of economics uncertainty, political, religious, and racial, and even racial upheavals, the voice of discouragement can call out more loudly than ever before to some of you. And the enemy of our souls, the devil, just loves it this way. You know. But there is a good news. If we have the right focus, at Christmas, I want us to realize that there is hope. Because Christ, Jesus, is hope. It's not just that He gives hope. He is hope. And that is the focus of our reflection uh, this morning. You see, the whole world, if you look at the news, the, wor the whole world is looking for hope. Even those who are skeptical about Christianity are looking for hope. You can find this in the, uh, these people in, in the academic world, in the marketplace, in the political arena, and in all other circles. They start off by asking these questions, philosophical questions like, if God really exists, how can He allow evil to proliferate in this world, right? They ask that question. According to them, it just doesn't make sense to argue for the existence of God when there is suffering and evil all around. But to them, their question and skepticism are more than just intellectual or philosophical questions. I submit that they are just a smokescreen for something else that is much deeper. There is a question behind their questions. They would not say it, but they would, you know, you can read it in their minds, in their hearts, and they would ask this question, is God really real? Can I really trust Him? Is He worthy of my trust? How can I entrust my life to Jesus if all the things that's happening in the world is so bleak? How can I face my future with hope? You know, they ask those questions behind those philosophical questions. But the thing is, my friends, my brothers and sisters, has it ever occurred to you that we who belong to a community of hope can give Him the answer to their questions? We have the answers. Do you believe that? We are people of hope. And listen to what the Apostle Peter has to say about the necessity of providing answers to people's questions about faith, about our faith, even our hope. He says in 1 Peter 3, verse 15, But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. 
See there? The word hope is there. We have the hope. We possess hope for those who put their trust in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Nothing could be more clear in this mandate. If you belong to a community of hope, I believe that you have something that you can give them. You know, you have an answer. Your life as an individual Christian is a witness. Our life as a community, a transforming community of hope, can also give a powerful testimony to the hungry world. We have the real answer to their real life questions. Well, perhaps you might ask, oh, you know, Pastor Johnson, I don't have that confidence to share my faith to others, right? I don't have that gift of evangelism. I don't have that confidence. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm afraid people will, will, you know, will, will, you know, will reject me and all that stuff. Now, the reason why I say that because of that I encountered that myself. I experienced that. I didn't have that confidence to share my faith to other people. But hang on. Don't just brush that aside. Don't be discouraged. The reason why we have hope is because of this wonderful thing, wonderful truth. We are part of a great story. Okay? We are a part of a great story. We have entered into a great story of God and His plan of redemption. And participating in this story that we are, a community of hope, provides for us a platform to be able to give others the reason for our hope. As a community of hope, as people of hope, we have a story to share in words and in life. And that hope is made available, made visible when each of us in this community participate in this great, grand story of God in the context of this community. You know, during my high school years, I, I used to participate in dramas or, you know, uh, play acting. I, I participated in, in, in big presentations like the whole school and and I was the best actor. <laughs> I loved it. I loved the role, you know, uh, I pl- and especially when I played the main role or the main character. And so as part of the drama, together with others, I have to, of course, I have to memorize my lines well, right? I have to internalize the script, thinking as if they were true to me. I have to put myself into that story. That includes my mind, my body, my emotions. I had to wear, wear the corresponding costumes, you know, that befits my role and familiarize myself with the props, with the setting, as if I was there. You know, I gave my all in those presentations to the point that I garnered, you know, the award of being the best actor in the class, right? I wanted to be the class mathematician or class scientist, but I didn't be able, at least I got the, the best actor, right? But as part of the story of God, we also need to give our best to familiarize ourselves with that grand story. Okay? We have a new script to follow, so to speak. You know, the only difference is that we're not play-acting. We're not play-acting. We're not uh, portraying a, a, a make-believe story or a, a fictional story. The story of God is true as it unfolds in our lives. It's real. And we are part of this great story. And there are essential elements of the story of God that we need to familiarize ourselves with in order to make our hope more convincing, not only to us, but to people beyond us, like beyond our circle community. 
to make it more contagious and effective in the world that is full of darkness and hopelessness. And also, you know, for our own edification, for our growth, and for the abundance of our souls. Now let's go to the scripture passages again to reflect on this hope that we have as a community of Jesus Christ. And I'll be reading Colossians chapter 1, verses 3 to 6, and I will combine it with 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 to 9. And this is what Paul said. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all God's people. The faith and love that spring from the hope stored up for you in heaven and about which you have already heard in the true message of the gospel that has come to you. In the same way, the gospel is bearing fruit and growing throughout the whole world just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and truly understood God's grace. You learn it from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is a faithful minister of Christ on our behalf and who also told us of your love in the Spirit. And now listen to what the Apostle Peter said in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3-9. to Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In His great mercy, He has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ from the dead and into, and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In all this, you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, while uh, you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. Uh, these have come to you so that the proven genuineness of your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy where you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your soul. This is the word of the Lord. And as we go along, I'll try to juxtapose uh, the ideas and terms in these two passages. You know? And this, if you will see it, we have a clear picture of hope. According to James Bryan Smith in his book, The Good and Beautiful Community, he says, here is the main point. Faith and love come from hope. According to Paul, the apostle, hope is the origin of faith and love. There's another Bible scholar named N.T. Wright, and he puts it this way. The solid facts about the future hope of Christians are a powerful motivation for constant faith and costly love in the present. Note, note the words, solid facts. I underlined it there. That is the key. In other words, faith does not live in a vacuum. It must attach itself to something. Okay? There has to be a basis for our faith and our love. Otherwise, what's the point of me preaching the message before you today? You know, what's the point of having these kids doing this nativity story? You know, what's the point of us meeting together on a weekly basis for Bible study and prayer in small groups? What's the point of all these things? Okay? If our faith and love is not based 
on solid facts or solid ground. The Apostle Paul proclaims that the basis of our faith is the death and resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ in whom we trust. If this did not happen, okay, I believe it's just right for him to say in 1 Corinthians 15 verse 19, he said these words, if only for this life, if only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are to be pitied more than all people. Amen. Okay? And I like how the, the message translation puts it. Okay, next slide there. And if Christ weren't raised, he said, you know, then all you are doing is wandering about in the dark, as lost as ever. It's even worse for those who died hoping in Christ in resurrection because they all they are already in their graves. If all we get out of Christ is a little inspiration for a few short years, we're a pretty sorry lot. But the truth is that Christ had been raised up, the first in a long legacy of those who are going to leave the cemeteries. That's true. Our faith and hope is based on solid ground. Okay? That is the key to our faith. The key to our faith is the trustworthiness of its object. Okay? Our faith must attach itself to something that is true and that is re- reliable. And according to Paul in his letter to the Colossians, Paul told the Colossians that their hope was contained, next paragraph, slide, was contained in the word of the truth, the gospel that has come to you. Now this hope came about after they have heard the message of the gospel. The real hope started when they responded to the good news of Jesus Christ and believed in Him for salvation. Okay, Paul also notes that the gospel is bearing fruit and growing among the believers. In other words, transformation is taking place among them. Growth or transformation starts from hearing and responding to the good news, the message of the gospel. Okay, now, what exactly is the, the gospel they heard? Now, if we look closely at the rest of the epistle to the, of the Colossians, we discover that the gospel is best told in a story form. Okay? The gospel is a dominant story that has power to change lives. The Christian story has four basic parts to it. Death, resurrection, ascension, and return. Okay? It is the story of Jesus Christ, our Lord. And it should also be our story. And so that's what we are going to reflect on today. How can we be a people of hope? It requires knowing both experientially and intellectually the grounds for our hope. The grounds for our hope is the story of the Gospels. And there are four basic truths, four aspects of that, that Gospel story that we need to embrace in our lives. So when we believe in Jesus Christ, we were entered into Jesus' story, and we are, we are unified by that story. And so, you, and so here are the four, four important truths. I would like to draw some verses in the book of Colossians to highlight who Jesus is and what He did and how we are included in that great story. The first one, the first word is death. Okay, death. Paul said in Colossians 3 verse 3, You have died and your life 
is hidden with Christ in God. We all believe in the fact that Jesus died on the cross, right? This we all know. But the fact that we, by faith, participate in that death is not often taught, even though it is mentioned in many of Paul's letters and in other epistles as well. Paul is reminding the Colossian Christians that they have died and that their life is hidden with Christ. Though they were not on the cross with Him, they participated in His death. That is a very important truth, theological truth. In another sense, they have died with Jesus Christ as their substitute. And that is true of us too, who believe in Jesus Christ. And that's why we can identify with Paul when he said in Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ. And it's no longer I who lives, but Christ lives in me. And so as we were crucified with Christ, our old life, our old way of life has ended. We have died to the old way, or shall we say, the old script. Remember that? We have died to that old script that, that once controlled us. Since we have been transferred from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light, our old narratives have been left behind. We have died to the old values of the kingdom of this world, the ones that tell us might makes right, or money gives you joy, or sex is the way of fulfillment. Now those old narratives, those old idols have been smashed by the Christian story, and we enter into the new story. You know, before I came into a living relationship with Jesus Christ, I was living for myself. And I was guided by the principalities and powers of this world. But when I gave my life to Jesus one weekday afternoon, the old Johnston has died. But a new Johnston emerged. A new Johnston emerged. And but people keep telling me, Oh, Pastor Johnston, you, you're, you keep growing old, <laughs> right? You still have, I still have your, you know, yeah, I still see your, I see your white hair there, especially when you're preaching from the pulpit. You know, how did you grow white hair so fast? Okay, but that's not what you're, that's not what you're, what we are referring to. Paul was not talking about physical new life, at least on this side of heaven. This new life that Paul is saying is largely unseen to me because it is hidden with Christ in God. And so for now, I live by faith and I am caught up in the story of Jesus. And same with you as well. You know, Jesus invites us to die, not on a cross, but to ourselves. The old way of life, built on competition and vanity, dies with Jesus Christ. And what emerges is a new life, hidden from us, but no doubt, it is real. It is safe. And secure. Didn't you think so? It is our true self. That is our true self now. The second point is resurrection. Okay. Resurrection. When you were buried with him, Paul said in baptism, you were also raised with him through faith in the power of God who raised him from the dead. Okay? Many Christians are not aware that they are they, that they also participate in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Okay? The same power that raised Jesus from the dead also lives in us. So the old you and the old me were dead. 
but the new you and me have been raised with Christ. Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians 5.17, and so if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. You know, everything old has passed away, and behold, everything has become new. We are now new people in whom Christ Jesus dwells. Now, personally, this awareness not only gives me strength as an individual, but it also binds me together with other Christians. Okay? I have served in many cultures uh, and languages totally different from me, okay? where I grew up. At first, I, I felt very alien to the, due to the language you know, and, and cultural barriers. But, uh, but, when, but when I went to church there and we began to sing, I knew I was home. Even though the songs that they sing, I don't understand. I know that. You know, I was with brothers and sisters who died and risen with Christ just as I have. Okay? Even if we have the stark differences in culture, tradition, and language, you know, it's okay. I still feel at home. And that's the beauty of belonging to a community of hope. There emerges a new me, a new self established by Jesus Christ. We have put on the new self, which is being renewed constantly. You and I have now uh, have an, a new identity, one in whom Christ dwells and delights. And important thing, this is not my doing. This is not your doing. It is by the power of God, the same power that raised Jesus from the tomb, from the dead. And I go forth in that power each day, daily, as one who died but has been reborn. Jesus' resurrection is also my resurrection. Amen? Your resurrection as well. And that is my new story. That is my new script. And that is yours too. Thirdly, ascension. Okay? Yeah, we're talking about basic theological facts here. Okay? Ascension. Paul said, set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. We believe and proclaim that Jesus died and rose again, and then he ascended into heaven. Some people think of the ascension of Jesus as an act of Christ uh, leaving us behind as orphans and saying, you know, good luck. Now, on the contrary, the ascension of Jesus Christ is an important part of the story. It reminds us that Jesus is now enthroned, you know, as the supreme Lord of all. Jesus now reigns much greater than the superheroes of Hollywood. And one day, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. And that's why Paul tells the Colossian Christians to set their hearts on things above, which he explains is where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Notice there, Jesus is seated at the right hand of God. So that is because the work of Christ is complete. It is finished. To set our minds and hearts on the things above means to focus on the finished work of Jesus Christ, the source of our hope and strength. And we find our unity and strength in that common vision as well. It is finished. And we are called to set our hearts on the victory that has already been established by Jesus Christ. You see, the victory here is past tense. All right? When we fight the battle, we are not fighting towards victory, but we fight in view of the victory that is already ours. We simply claim 
the victory as we fight our daily battles. And we are more than conquerors because Christ is ascended to heaven. He reigns. He is the Lord of the universe. He is the Lord of the church. And He will do what it takes to blossom this church. Right? To grow it. And to make it shine in this darkened world. And last but not the least, return. The return of Christ. Paul said, when Christ who is your life is revealed, then you also will be revealed in glory. Wow! What a glorious promise. Amen? Now you will notice that this final part of this story has not yet occurred. Okay? <laughs> has not yet occurred. It is yet to come. The church proclaims, Christ has died, Christ is risen, Christ will come again. The return of Jesus is the promise of the ultimate renewal, healing, and justice. All the wrongs that you hear and see on TV, right, will be made right. All the pain will end and out, and our joy will be made complete when Jesus comes in final victory. I hold on to that. Wow. And this is the final say that awaits all of us who believe. Okay? You know, you heard about this a few, few weeks ago about this, this massacre that took place in a church in, 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 in Texas, right? And, and what makes it complicated? Some people were even mocking that. How can they, you know, they were praying there and, and God, whom they are praying to, is not, did not save them. They were just, you know, lame, you know, helpless like ducks. But the good news is that death is not the final word, Right? We hold on to that. Even our lives are snapped up of this world, you know, we have this glorious reality that awaits us. That is our hope. The whole point of this four truths is that we put, as we put our trust in Christ, His story will become our story. We died with Him. We are made alive again in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And our life is hidden with Christ who is on the throne. And we look forward to the return of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords for the final consummation of our hope. Right? If we, you know, internalize and experience these four truths, it makes the Christmas story more powerful, isn't it? Right? You know? Sure, we're not perfect yet. We're not perfect yet. And we will continue to struggle with our old self. And same with me. You know, I'm not perfect and I will struggle with the old Johnston who was influenced by this Filipino-Canadian-American Filipino culture, narratives, and values. The old Johnston are, are the values and characteristics that don't reflect Jesus Christ. I will continue to struggle with the old Johnston's propensities to, to like, for example, being jealous of other people's successes, covering up my bad behavior, Rage and anger when I am being criticized by other people. Demanding justice and revenge for those people who wrong me. When I have this sense of pride and exhilaration that I am right and the others are wrong. One who craves for material things. Lust for more and so forth and so on. That's the old Johnston there. I struggle. But the good news is that you and I who believe in Christ are now into this new way of thinking that God loves us, He has forgiven all our sins, and we have now this new identity in Christ. 
that as people of hope, we are to let go of defining our identity on the basis of our behavior. First and foremost, Christ died for us and He accepted us in spite of who we are, in spite of our past. Okay? He can bring us into a new person. And to understand who we are, we have to realize that we are a people whose roots are from another world. Right? Our citizenship is in heaven, just like what Paul said. So I have three citizenship now. Oh, I used to be a Filipino and I'm Canadian. I'm also a citizen of heaven, right? I don't have that, that, that passport, <laughs> but I have an invisible passport. Now, in our citizenship, we have a hope that is based on solid ground. And that is precisely, precisely why we are so peculiar in this darkened world. We are a unique community. We're not just a social organization. We're not just an, an ordinary organization. We are a people of God, a people of hope. And so finally, how can we demonstrate hope in our community and beyond? There are two things. First, we demonstrate hope in action. Okay? Demonstrate hope in action. Slide three. Okay, St. Francis said, preach the gospel wherever you go, and when necessary, use words. Okay, you know what he means by that? You know, in other words, our lives, that means our, our actions, our powerful way of preaching the gospels, and our lives speaks loud of the hope that we embrace. So while we are not called to be perfect, we are called to be witness to this larger story that has produced hope in us you see again faith and hope love of oh, faith and love spring from hope in paul's epistle to the romans he lists a number of ways we can demonstrate our hope in our relationship with one another it's in romans chapter 12 okay verses 10 to 17 he says be devoted to one another in love honor one another above yourselves Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you, and bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice, and mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited, and do not repay evil. For evil. You know, be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Now, this is a beautiful picture of preaching the gospel, even without words. You know, it speaks a lot about our actions, right? How we behave and how we treat other people. You see, people can see and smell and feel the hope in our lives through our actions, even without words. Okay, Paul said to the Corinthians, we are an aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. Wow, we are an aroma of Jesus Christ. You know, my friends, I would like to confess to you something here. I, I, I like to eat garlic, <laughs> right? Who will be among us here love garlic? I love garlic. I don't know why. They just, well, maybe the Lord just gave me this you know, propensity to eat garlic. And I, I enjoy it. And so my wife knows when I eat garlic. Even though we, she's still far away. Honey, did you eat garlic? <laughs> right? She could sense it. She could smell it already. But rest assured, she still loves me. 
And she said, okay, you can still, you know, don't sleep on the couch. You can still, sit, you can still sleep together. Now, that's an aroma, right? Aroma garlic. Now, I'm not telling you to love garlic, but I'm using this example for you to love Jesus. Because when you love, put your trust in Jesus and rely on His promises, the hope that we live will be smelled, will be sensed by others. And like garlic, when people catch the scent of Jesus you know, on us through our actions, they won't ask us to move away or they won't go away. Well, some people do. But they usually want to know the reason for our hope. Isn't that great? And so the next action point, you know, we demonstrate hope with our actions, and, but we also demonstrate hope in words. Okay? Yes, our actions speak louder than words, but we are also called to share the gospel of hope in words. And Peter wrote this, as I had said this earlier, but in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. And so here, first, Peter encourages us to revere Christ as Lord. Set Him apart as our Lord. Our devotion to Christ will help us in our weakness. The more we get to know and follow Christ, the more we will be able to say in words our hope. Okay? And then second, be prepared to share your hope to others. You know, there are times when I feel like I'm so unprepared, especially when, like, you know, in, in, in random moments. I'm in the bus, riding in a bus, and somebody, you know, ask me a question and, and, but I see that as an opportunity to share Christ even though I'm afraid I still take by faith that opportunity to share my faith to that person and in fact one of, the, one of my uh, you know my, my uh, experience is that there was a, yeah I was, I was riding in a bus for a five hour bus ride and, uh, and, and my seatmate was a priest he was a professor in a very, very, uh, very prestigious uh, Catholic uh, seminary. And, and uh, he asked me about what I do. Okay, I'm a missionary. I said, and, oh, you're a missionary. I'm also a priest. I, in fact, I'm a professor. And, uh, so I, and then, you know, to make the story short, I, share, I shared to him about the impact of Christ in my life. And he will, he will always say, oh, that's debatable, that's debatable, right? You know, that's his usual response. And, though, and so the, at the end of our journey, as we get off the bus, so... I just shared my faith to him, my story. But, you know, he said, it's all debatable. But then, when, as I got off the bus, one lady came to me. He said, you know, sir, I was hearing you. You were talking with that other person. He was, she was on the other side, the other uh, side of the bus. And I, I kept, I was listening to what you were saying, and I say, that's really true. And I also want to have that Jesus that you were sharing. Isn't that great? We have a story to tell to other people. This is the story of your own life. You can share your testimony to others. In fact, in the church where I serve with currently, I ask people to come forward and share your God stories, your testimonies. Because who knows? Someone out there would say, oh, I'm also like that. You know, they can resonate with your story as well and share the hope that you have. And so we are a transforming community of hope because that hope is alive and will never die. The Apostle Peter says, Praise be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ in His, in his great mercy He has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead 
and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. And this inheritance is kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. So in the meantime, in all this, you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have to suffer grief in all kinds of troubles. My friends, we have this living hope. The best is yet to come. Amidst the backdrop of, of darkness in this world, we can shine in our, in our surrounding community. And I pray for God's truth to rest in all of us today. Let's pray. Oh God, our eternal King, our God who divides the day from the darkness, who turns the shadow of death into mourning, continue to open the eyes of our hearts that we may live out and demonstrate this living hope for an inheritance that is reserved and secured for us in heaven. Teach us to love you with our lives and teach us to live in joy that even though now for a little while we may have to suffer grief in all kinds of trials, sharpen and strengthen our faith so it may result in praise and glory and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. That glorious day, Lord God. And we thank you. In whose glorious name we pray. Amen.